When you think about business competition, where are you focused? Your town, your state, across the country? You need to be concerned with competitors around the world. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, you'll hear about the mega trends in global business and how they affect your organization, as well as explore issues, solutions, and some amazing facts about business worldwide. Now, here is your host, Mahesh Joshi. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Our topic uh, for today is, is higher education preparing you for the future of work? My guest today for discussion on this very important subject is Mr. Brandon Bastide, President, University Partners and Global Head, Learn, Work, Innovation, Kaplan, North America. Brandon oversees Kaplan's higher education partnerships in North America, leveraging its global educational assets, ranging from recruiting and housing international students and assessing outcomes to enabling distance education via online learning and university hosting programs to provide instructions, help in expanding access and their scope of services and meeting the changing needs of their students and the workplace. Busteed's 20-year career has been largely focused on the education arena. Before joining Kaplan, he was senior partner and global head public sector at Gallup, overseeing its higher education, government, foundation and corporate social impact segments. While at Gallup, he led dozens of groundbreaking studies, such as the Gallup Purdue Index, a long-term study of college graduates, work and life outcomes, and the Strada Gallup Education Consumer Survey, the largest representative study of U.S. adults and education consumers, education pathways and experiences. Prior to Gallup, Bastid was the founder and former CEO of Outside the Classroom, a company that pioneered adaptive online education to change risky student behaviors. He's a prolific writer and sought-after speaker about innovation and trends in education and workforce development. Busteed's articles have appeared in The Chronicle of Higher Education, Inside Higher Ed, Fast Company, and other publications. Brandon is a graduate of Duke University, where he studied public policy. He's trustee emirates of Duke and also served on the board of visitors for the Sanford School of Public Policy at Duke University. Now, while we discuss with him on the higher education, is it really preparing for future of work? Uh, it's very interesting subject. You will listen, uh, Brandon, on the role of higher education in enhancing the work readiness. Is it really happening? And uh, could the answer be the merger of education and work, rather the other way around, work and education. And what does get recognized and what will get recognized in future? Would it be skill set, a degree, or industry-recognized credentials? 
are a mix of all of these. Or as Brandon says that the need for getting CRA degrees uh, will go up, which is credentials, which are industrial credentials and degrees. And I have with me uh, our distinguished guest, Mr. Brandon Busty today. Uh, welcome, Brandon. Thank you, Mahesh. It's my pleasure. Uh, Brandon, I read your article, very interesting, on higher education. Uh, I will categorize beyond that executive education. A lot of good stuff in it. How the field of education is changing, how it is impacting uh, the lives as well as the lifestyle in terms of affordability. A lot of good stuff in it. What I found very intriguing is that it straight away connects with the future of work. So what is the future of work, which we are all excited about and a little bit apprehensive? What's going to happen? But I think you have addressed it very well in your article. So I wanted to start with starting from a little bit of the basics that what do you think? How and why the higher education is important for people and why higher education model is facing a kind of disruption? Certainly, Mahesh. Historically, our education systems, whether we think about those uh, across K-12 uh, or higher education, have largely been purposed to support the future of work, the current uh, landscape of work. And as we, as we look at where uh, the world is now, as most people are recognizing, the, the pace at which work is evolving is uh, at, at probably its most rapid pace in history. Think about the kinds of things that people need to know and learn in their work uh, with changing technology, changes in the marketplace. Uh, the pressures to stay relevant are probably uh, as great as they've ever been. And right now, if you look at the views of higher education, this is in particular in the United States, the big concerns about higher education are really, well, there, there's many, but I'll highlight a couple. One, of course, is the rising cost of tuition, which has gone up uh, nearly 400 percent in the last three decades, almost double the, the increase of health care costs, to put it in perspective. But the other thing I'm very worried about is that Almost anybody that I was involved in surveying during my time when I was at Gallup uh, before my role now at Kaplan uh, has a, a lack of confidence in the work readiness of college graduates. And that's really unfortunate because the number one reason why Americans value higher education is to get a good job or a better job. It's not the only reason why we value it, but it's the number one reason by far. So our number one motivation for pursuing higher education is to get a good job or a better job, and yet the real critique about the value of higher education is that people just don't believe that college graduates are being well prepared for the workplace. And of course, this goes back to my initial point around the rapid changes in the marketplace. A really interesting statistic around that is a report that IBM issued this past September, global survey of corporate leaders in HR and learning. And uh, since 2014, just the past five years of the survey, the number of days that they reported needing to train or upskill or reskill employees has jumped from three days to 36 days in the last five years. So we, we have an overwhelming challenge in front of us. And of course, although there's negativity around how higher education 
is responding to it, higher education is still our greatest asset, our greatest resource for helping. And eventually what we're looking at here is going to be what I call a, a merger of work and education, where these two things are just going to be kind of seamlessly uh, interwoven. That's that's fantastic. So basically, uh, what you're saying is the experience of education and work is kind of getting merged. One of the reasons is the cost, the affordability of higher education. And second is, what is the relevance of it at that price point? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, the, the title of an article I wrote recently was about the coming relevance renaissance that's needed in higher education. And, and relevance can be viewed in a lot of ways through the lens of consumers. When a product gets to a place where it's just unaffordable for most people, right? It just, it becomes less relevant. So, so that's one aspect of it. But, but the, the, the real relevance that I'm talking about is making sure that what students learn during their time in college, whether we think about that as a two-year degree, a four-year degree, a master's degree, it doesn't matter. This is across the board, making sure what they learn is relevant. And I'll give you examples in the studies around what drives that relevance. And it's, it's certainly having opportunities to apply what you're learning in the classroom, right? An internship, a cooperative uh, educational experience where you're working for an employer uh, and there's some connectivity between the job or the work experience you're doing and what you're learning, having an opportunity to work on long-term projects during your academic work that mimic more of the kinds of things that happen in the real world of work. And so in short, it's trying to figure out how we draw more connections between what's being learned and how it can be applied in very practical and realistic ways. And an interesting point to this, Mahesh, is that, you know, there's been this interesting and, and to me rather bothersome conversation around education experts where, you know, they talk about things like, for example, the liberal arts, you know, the liberal arts and and uh, whether they're still relevant. Well, you know, underneath the liberal arts, uh, you know, at their best, they teach things like critical thinking and skilled communication and collaboration. But if the headline is, oh, you majored in English during college, for example, there's a lot of negativity about that type of a graduate or degree in the marketplace. There really shouldn't be. What I see as a very promising future is, you know, it's not throwing out the liberal arts, but for example, a liberal arts graduate, say the English uh, major, as I'm using in the example here, also leaves college with an industry recognized credential. And we actually tested this in market research. We asked people to uh, imagine themselves as a hiring manager. Which of the following recent graduates would you be most likely to hire knowing nothing else about them? The first option was a was an English major. The second was a cybersecurity major. And the third was an English major who has a designation as a certified ethical hacker in cybersecurity. Well, interestingly enough, that third option was four times more likely to be chosen than the other two. The interesting point about it is uh, it's still an English major, but they happen to have this industry recognized credential. So that's a really specific example of the kinds of things that we can do in higher education. It's not a, you know, a, a bachelor's degree or an industry recognized uh, credential. It's both. And um, and then we think about education, whether we're talking about STEM majors, right, uh, science and math or engineering, 
versus uh, philosophy or history majors. The, the point here is how are we helping students understand how they can apply that, right? How it could apply to a particular organizational work situation. Those are the things that higher education really has to ramp up. And of course, the only way that higher education is to be able to do that is with more participation and support and connectivity with employers of all shapes and sizes. Well, I think this is, this is a brilliant example you gave, and I, I can just add my two cents here. I have personal experience of it. After working for so many years, when I went for my second master's, I found that I could apply that learning almost instantaneously. Yeah. So it was more like earn and learn, learn, and both happening together. And I know from my very first uh, um, uh, degree, which I finished, I don't think I ever applied 100% of it or I understood the relevance of what I was studying there. But whatever portion of that got applied, it was exciting. But learning while earning, uh, while working, gave me a tremendous amount of confidence because I had an opportunity to apply it. So uh, I think... Uh, what you're suggesting that probably is the best the application of it and i really appreciate sharing that example of how even naming an education uh, the name based on how, where it will be applied has more acceptance than a generic title to it because this is not telling what you can do that, that's no exactly problem. right yeah, yeah you, you, your example is, is a good one. And I think a lot of people who have experienced higher education uh, can relate to both of your examples, right? Thinking about things they learned or studied where they really weren't able to apply it compared to the kinds of things they studied or when they were able to apply it. You know, the difference is night and day, right? In, in our uh, feeling that we had a high quality education, that it was worth the cost. And, you know, these are studies that uh, that have been supported by 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 reviews of alumni and students. Right. And when they have the opportunity to apply what they're doing, when they have the opportunity to uh, to really, you know, be engaged in what I call, you know, deeply meaningful, meaningful uh, engagement and learning. That makes a big difference. So it's it's not necessarily the, the content. Uh, it's it's how we we are learning and uh, and how it's being applied. And, you know, for example, the, the terminology, to your point, matters a lot. So one of the innovations that I, I wrote about in Forbes uh, earlier last year was what I call uh, a credigree. Credigree is just a blend of the words credential and degree. And it's the example that I gave you. You know, why not have every college student who, who goes to get a two or four year degree also leave with an industry recognized credential? These are not mutually exclusive, right? These can be done together. And now all of a sudden, you know, you increase the, the relevance of what's being taught. You signal to employers that these are graduates who have an understanding and, and a skill set that they can hit the ground running immediately with. Um, and so, you know, the, it, it's as much about the, the reframing of our words and our language as it is about the actual changes that we need to make to the curriculum uh, or the pedagogy, uh, or the experiences that students have. So that's a very good example. And uh, Brendan, we'll take a short break, and we'll continue our discussion in the next segment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening to The Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. And I have with me Brandon. And uh, we are having an interesting discussion, as you heard in first segment. What's the role of higher education in the current scenario, uh, which is future of work, but to our doorsteps real quick. So, uh, Brendan, thanks uh, for um, the very uh, exciting first segment, uh, very enlightening. Let's move on to uh, uh, the next segment that what do you think why it is so critical now for all the colleges and universities to increase work integrated learning opportunities in in kind of any or all forms from co-ops to internship to long-term projects and i'm uh, picking up your word which you have used uh credit degrees credential and degrees very well explained in segment one Definitely. Well, we know we know there's an imperative in terms of the the speed at which organizations are moving, and for human beings to remain relevant in this, uh, learning is just going to become a a fairly constant part of our process. You know, in the past, we've always used a term called lifelong learning as uh, as an ideal and or a nice to have, if you will. Where we're headed very very quickly, I'd argue we're there today. Is that Lifelong learning is not just a nice to have or, or an ideal to aim for. It's going to become an immediate necessity. And some of us might be very excited about that. Those of us who are naturally curious and interested learners are, are probably smiling when I say that. And there's uh, another chunk of us who are probably terrified by the idea that we might have to constantly be learning new skills and, and uh, abilities. But the reality is that whether we like it or not, that I think is just going to become a critical part of remaining relevant in the workforce. We also know there's other really powerful uh, changes happening in our in our demographics and lifespan. So, for example, as the uh, the average age of a human being uh, stretches from the you know the mid 70s into the mid 90s over the next 30 years, which is what it's projected to do. One of the other implications, of course, is that people are just going to be working longer. And if they're working longer, they're going to have to do even more to remain relevant. So there's a lot of things that are driving this, Mahesh. And I think from a higher education perspective, 
Although you see examples of employers starting to do their own educational programming outside of partnerships with higher ed, colleges and universities are still among the most trusted brands and sources that people are looking to for support. Now, one of the big changes, though, is that colleges and universities are going to have to think beyond the box of degree programs. Certainly, degrees are still going to be relevant in the future, but where I see lots of innovation happening is through the, the combination of college universities who are now thinking about non-degree education they can offer, continuing in professional education, right, short-term certificates, thinking about the, the kinds of education that would be curated or built specifically for an employer with that employer's input. And, you know, from a, from the perspective of value, if an employer says, yes, that's exactly what I need, I'll pay you to do that, it becomes a, an incredibly relevant thing to do, even though it might be short of conferring a degree. So one of the big changes that's going to have to happen is higher ed is going to have to get out of the, the singular mindset that, that degrees are the only thing they confer. They can do a lot of other education short of degrees, and that education is going to be increasingly valued in the years to come. Well, these are very valid points you bring in. And uh, see, you hit on three very, very important points that if you remain relevant, you have to be constantly learning. And that reminds me, in the industry, there is a very common term when you're in a shop floor in an office environment called continuous improvement. You know, after Lean Six Sigma, all the processes came uh, continuous improvement. So if you if you move it from just the work environment to somebody's personal life, how would you be a part of continuous improvement for yourself? And so why you have to do only for your job? Why you have to do only for a company? Because if you don't do it, that straight away puts into the first category you said to remain relevant. And That's right. Yeah, and and and. Uh, uh, as as you as you rightly said uh, earlier, the life expectancy has gone up more than twenty percent, and the obsolescence of the knowledge or the technologies or 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 the equipment or the tools or the processes, uh, their their life cycle is reducing. What That's used, right. You know what used to be yeah. uh, a, a fundamental working for ten years now it gets changed in five years. Suddenly there will be a startup which will come up and disrupt the whole damn idea. And they will suddenly change it in one year. You know, the That's change, right. yeah. changing of business model, changing of how to look at things. It's happening so fast. Uh, and definitely, technology has to do with it. You know, the technology is driving it. And, and, and if, if, I, if I remember uh, correctly, if you created a product, maybe let's go 30 years ago, then 20 years, then 10 years ago, there was a time to develop it. Then you used to do prototyping. Then you will do testing of it. Then you'll do beta testing, psych testing. All this used to happen to find yeah. out there are no issues in it. Suddenly comes the software. Suddenly comes the technology help. You can simulate. You can even simulate an aircraft. You can simulate an engine. So the time to develop it has cut down and the accuracy of it being correct the first time has changed. But it is not the same process which we knew 30 years ago than 10 years ago, 10 years ago, uh, or 20 years ago is relevant now. It's something that's very right. different. Yeah, that, that speed, as you've described, is condensed rapidly. And with you know the developments of artificial intelligence, machine learning applications, you know, we were already hurling at a fast speed with with general software development cycles, but those those, those kinds of innovations are are even you know kind of pushing it faster. And 
to your point, like many of us are going to be uh, involved in upskilling or reskilling or new training or educational programs through our employers. We're also going to have to keep our eye on how we think about our, our own selves remaining relevant. So if my employer, I'm in a job or my employer is not necessarily training me uh, to, to keep up to speed or, or helping train me for another job that might be available in my company, well, then, you know, we're going to have to get smarter about understanding what are the relevant skill sets out there? Where are the fast growing jobs? And thinking about in the context of the massive disruptions that that we're facing right now with COVID-19, coronavirus, you know, all the different layoffs and furloughs that are going to happen across industries. There are still jobs in the United States that are open. There will be industries where there is growth. But what it will require, the distance between a person who doesn't have a job and a job that's out there is most likely going to be education or training. And so we really have to uh, accelerate our our overall understanding of that and the responsiveness of higher education institutions and employers to helping individuals through that process. So it's it's really critical. Yeah. And, and, and the three parameters that you listed, life expectancy. Uh, working long, there is no other choice but to stay relevant. Otherwise, you are not part of that society which is delivering something. So the the learning it becomes very very important. That's exactly right. And like I said, to some people that's going to be exciting. To others, it'll be intimidating. But I think the you know the good news is the the very optimistic view of this is that. Uh, our our uh, ability to support people in their learning has expanded rapidly. And again, use the example of the last two weeks where many people are now working from home. You know, for the first time, they're utilizing, you know, video conferencing technologies. They're thinking about innovative new ways uh, to to do their work from home. Well, guess what? You know, we've had this thing called online education for for decades, developing improving in its sophistication, improving in uh, in its effectiveness. And right now, you know, it's a moment where online education and training can really support a number of these things. You know, you're out of work. You can get your GED while you're out of work. Uh, you can get an industry-recognized credential online. You can start your associate's degree in a fast-moving field. You know, there's things that you can complete online that move the needle on your career or opportunity to get a job in relatively short period of times, like we don't need to just think about four year blocks in the bachelor's degree fashion or even two year blocks in the master's degree uh, mindset. So that's the encouraging news. Yes. And, you know, some of these is reflected in how the businesses are investing. And uh, uh, if you look at just executive education, which is more of uh, what you have learned, unlearn, relearn. And remain relevant. I'll, I'll, I'll relate to your uh, uh, words on that. That probably is the fastest growing business, if you call it a business. But this is what people are looking at. And, and some of the data shows that uh, the companies, I think, uh, I don't know the number this year, 2020 is too early in, in 2019, almost 80% of the companies were committing that they will commit to uh, to executive education to have their ex- executives retrained or acquire new uh, skills yeah. or new ways of looking at business, new ways of doing business. And uh, most of them were willing to budget for it. 
Yeah, you've seen a big movement, or at least you know it's 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 been something that's been in the news quite a bit over the last few years of of leading Fortune 500 companies who are moving towards uh, what what many have described as an education as benefits movement. Uh, there's an amazing company called Guild that's helping companies build these programs for employees, and and essentially these companies are paying for college degrees for their employees and. You know, that was something that wasn't happening uh, really at this scale in the past. You know, now they're realizing that it's actually smart business. It's not just good for their employees, for the jobs they're in to improve productivity and retention. It's also helping them prepare for better jobs in those companies. And interestingly enough, a lot of these employers are OK paying for a college degree, even if you leave the company, because they realize that, you know, that if you're pursuing that while you're working there, they can retain you longer, especially in retail jobs. So you see companies like Starbucks who have been doing college education programs for a good while and Disney and, you know, many others that uh, are really investing in this. And they're realizing that they're getting a return on their investment. They're doing something good for their employees, something they benefit from personally. And in addition, right, they uh, they're getting a return on investment. So one of the studies I saw that was done by Lumina Foundation showed that for every dollar an employer invests in an education as a benefits program, they get that dollar back plus another dollar and 40 in improvements in their talent development, retention, hiring costs. So it's really compelling. Yeah, that's amazing. And I would agree on that because the, what, you, what you brought in here was uh, the retention of employees. Now, there can be some attrition for certain reasons. They may be getting better jobs, but at least the company has contributed in making them a better human being and delivering better value anywhere they go. But normally, there is much more higher retention because people have learned and applied there and they look for further such opportunities instead of looking for a new job. So. Yeah. That's exactly right. You know, Walmart's a great example. They've been one of the early pioneers in, in offering an education as benefits program. And, you know, certainly there's manager jobs, very, very, you know, well-paying jobs at, at Walmart. They also have a lot of uh, entry-level retail jobs. Now, if you're taking a, an entry-level retail job at Walmart, you're getting paid for that. And while you're working there, you're getting your college degree paid for that's a really compelling value proposition for, for a lot of Americans who are interested in getting a college degree, but avoiding having college debt and, and leveraging themselves financially to do it. That's a very valid point. And Brandon, uh, we will take a short break and we will continue our discussion in the next segment. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. And I have with me, Brandon. And we are talking about what is the role of higher education in the future of work, how higher education is impacting us today, and how it will impact us in future. How do we become future ready, and how do we uh, remain relevant in a society where the life expectancy is going high, and uh, the technological changes around us, the business models, the way things happen is changing very, very rapidly in a, in a very closely connected global environment. So, Brandon, uh, on, on, on that subject, I need to move on and, and take your opinion and uh, uh, your comments on why do you see higher education will see more growth in non-degree educational offerings? than in degree programs, and what else you see happening around us? Sure. Uh, one, one quick point is the changing age demographic in the United States. If you're a college or university that's serving traditional age college students, 18 to 24-year-olds, uh, those numbers are going to decline pretty significantly between 2025 and 2030, simply because the college going age population in the United States is on decline. So for a lot of college universities, they can already project a, a decrease in traditional age students coming for bachelor's degrees and things like that. In addition to the points we've been talking about earlier, employers are requiring more rapid training and development and reskilling. And a lot of that uh, is simply not as, as long or involved as a degree. So, you know, I'll give you an example of projects that we've been involved with at Kaplan to kind of highlight this. We had a, a large company that uh, needed to get employees through a cybersecurity designation, a very rigorous cybersecurity exam. And until those employees completed it, they weren't able to bill out on projects with the federal government. So uh, they uh, asked us for help in increasing the pass rates of these uh, employees through that program. And what we did is, uh, interestingly enough, we took pieces of a bachelor's degree program in cybersecurity from one of our university partners. So this was this was not a full degree program. We took classes from that bachelor's degree program in cybersecurity. We combined them in a very short 12 week intensive training program and nearly doubled the pass rates of employees going through this cybersecurity exam. The reason why I bring that up is it's just it's a win 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 for everybody involved for the employees who are trying to get billed out on higher rates on these projects. 
they had to get through this cybersecurity exam, right? The employer needed to do that as fast as possible to benefit their bottom line. And then there was, uh, you know, a couple of partners between Kaplan and uh, a university that were able to come up with a solution that was not a degree, but it was, you know, refitting courses within that degree to be repurposed in this way. So, you know, that is a really illustrative example of the kinds of things that are happening. There's much more need for shorter, more intensive, very specific training in a lot of these situations. And yes, degrees are still going to be relevant, right? But these are examples where you can do innovative twists and turns in the middle of that and, uh, and, and have a very productive business and mission in terms of how higher ed serves uh, employees and employers. This is all a win-win-win, as I've uh, described. I think that's a very relevant point because what you see, what's happening all around us, I will take a simple example of a, a, a mobile phone. The way the mobile phone is changing, how to use it every time, even if you're an Apple user or, uh, or, or an Android user, anyone, the features change so fast. And nowadays you don't get an instruction manual to read through it. You have to learn it by practice. You use it you may search on Google or do something like that. But things are changing so fast. So in such an environment where there is such a high pace of change, can a formal degree course keep up the speed of change? And then the change in the industry may not be applicable across the industries. It may be relevant to a certain specific industry. So that education needed, what you rightly just mentioned, that will feed into the non-degree where the degree has no value. It is something new, which you have created a new business model using a new technology, never explored. How do you train for that? It's a non-degree course at that point of time. Because for the structure organization or a structure educational system, it will take some time to devise it, test it, and then teach it. Is that my right understanding? Yeah. So, you know, the example we've talked about is uh, short, shorter educational training than a full degree. Right. You're, you're also going to see it. You're also going to see it happen on the other end. In other words, people are going to get a degree, whether that's a master's degree or a bachelor's degree. Um, and then they'll be in what I call evergreen degree programs, which is to say, let's just take an MBA program, for example. You would get your MBA like you traditionally do. But in order to stay relevant, you would be enrolled in an evergreen degree program where every year you would go through one or two short courses that were developed by the MBA program. Uh, and so let's say you got your MBA three years ago. Right. This year, you might be taking a short course on cybersecurity for senior executives or data science and analytics for managers. Right. And so the idea here is that you'll also see it on the back end of degrees where people will be engaged in programs that are supported by the university to make sure that they're relevant. Because the idea of getting an MBA 40 years ago and thinking that what I learned 40 years ago is still directly relevant to the world of business today, some of those things may be. But I got to tell you, a lot would have changed in that time frame. So the notion that a degree just ends at a certain point and you're forever anointed as an MBA is also going out the window. So you're going to see it in shorter pieces on the front end, right? Things that will be done that are not as long and involved as a degree. You'll also see it on the back end where you'll get a degree and then be engaged in an ongoing evergreen type of degree program where you, you remain relevant 
and it's supported by the university and uh, and the staff and faculty that uh, that are supporting that program. And that's that's very true. I think you you said it very well. So uh, so job specific specific subjects, and I, I like the word you use that evergreen. So it doesn't end here. It's a continuous learning process. That's right. Uh, and and you're always learning, and that relevance of a set course and then go and work or use it, those days are gone because things are changing so fast. And no wonder if you look at some of the statistics that how the non-degree courses are changing, and I think the growth rate in past decades in that is is more than 35% uh, on the non-degree courses because that shows the acceptance of the, that those kind of courses is not only the acceptance, that's the relevance of those courses. That they are they are they are connecting them with the day-to-day learning. They're connecting with the latest technologies. They're connecting with the prevalent business models, which are constantly changing, and the environment. That's exactly right, and that you know gets to our word of of the day here in our discussion, which is relevance. Right, making sure that what we're learning is relevant. There's a lot of facets to that, but uh, but certainly making sure it's in line with you know, the kinds of, of skills that I need to be able to be successful. And, you know, certainly a lot of that is going to come through the workplace and employers. But uh, as we've also discussed, it, it really has implications uh, for individuals as they think about, you know, their own their own relevance, including thinking about, you know, switching jobs, you know, go, going into a different career track, whatever that might be. Yes. So, so probably, uh, as you rightly said, when you gave an example of MBA degree, yes, that's a basic degree, and and then uh, link it to the evergreen MBA degree that you are constantly learn with them. So, so even the formal degree college uh, courses may attach to that more relevance by constantly offering after that online non-degree because you already got the degree. You're not getting a degree; it's more of a certification, which exactly, and for learning. And that will become more useful and, and looks like uh, more and more people will start using it. But do you think it would get more relevance or, or sorry, not relevance, acceptance? To be very frank, doing a non-degree course, if it applies to a job or it applies somebody to do his work better, it's a personal satisfaction and a personal enhancement that you are able to do. Uh, uh, something better than what you were able to do without it. That's one. Second is some people get some kind of consolation. Oh, I have a degree. So leave that side uh, out because now it will be more relevant in how you're able to do things uh, with with the non-degree courses. Do you think in future there may be some regulatory bodies which may come into play that some of those non-degree certifications also start getting a little bit more weightage? Like, say, for example, I'm just picking up environmental safety and health. Uh, you've done a non-degree course, and suddenly OSHA uh, comes out, okay, this is not a degree, but we accept this, or this is a good a standard. Well, certainly there, there are a whole host of current industry-recognized credentials out there, and what makes them so valued is that there is an industry or an employer on the other end saying, if you get this, Mahesh, right, uh, we have a job for you or, you know, you can make this amount of money or whatever it might be. So I'm a big fan and believer in the industry recognized credential value. Right. So your example of OSHA coming in and saying we, you know, formally endorse this, uh, et cetera. Those are good examples. 
I do have a little worry about the explosion in what's been called badging or badges uh, or, you know, universities just issuing certificates that, um, you know, might have a really crafty marketing name to them. But an employer looks at it and says, but but what what was really in that? Right. And so we've had a proliferation of, you know, digital badges and certificates that have not been connected to an industry or an employer in terms of their validity and recognition. And so that's going to be a challenge in general. I'm a fan of education and learning, right, for the sake of learning, uh, you know, in addition to doing it for a specific job opportunity. But I think that's going to be the challenge. You know, you think about, uh, you know, the history of badging, right? The the Eagle Scout is uh, something that, you know, a lot of us have, have uh, known about. I mean, it's not an industry recognized credential, but because it has been so well known, you know, somebody who has an Eagle Scout on their resume it usually sticks out in a very, very prominent and positive way. So it's not to say that, you know, new badges and certificates couldn't become valued absent industry recognized standards. But I really believe most of this is going to be uh, employer endorsed or industry endorsed in terms of the things that become most valued in the marketplace. I get your point because you want to make sure that uh, those micro credentials or badges, if you are attaching to something, how relevant it is that, that, you know, how it can be used or misused. Because as you very correctly said, if you have flood of uh, these non-degree programs. So what carries value in terms of just being on the job and using it uh, correctly or enhancing your own performance or productivity, whatever it is. But that regulatory body accreditation brings in some extra value to that. So maybe in future, there may be some regulatory body which will look at those micro-credentials to make it more relevant beyond just pure learning and, and give a structure to that. So, uh, Brendan, what we're going to do is we will take a quick break and we'll continue this exciting discussion after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work.
This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We are having a very exciting discussion. I'm enjoying it thoroughly talking to Brendan on the role of higher education in future of work. Brendan, in the past segments, we talked a lot about life expectancy, the relevance, and 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 instead of generic just the degree course, how do you have non-degree course and more relevant to your job and more relevant to the application instead of just acquiring a degree. Now, let's move on to the next segment, which is uh, what are the trends? How is innovation taking place in education, especially in the light of artificial intelligence? How the digital technology is playing a role there in higher education? and how the online tools are impacting it. Yeah, certainly. I think there's it's uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Just as things like artificial intelligence and machine learning are driving some of the forces that are uh, creating the need for constant learning, right? Making it more difficult and challenging to do that. Those same kinds of technologies are being deployed to help people learn better. And uh, and certainly over the last couple decades of, of of development in online education and online learning, it's come a long way. Right. And uh, and it's actually at the point now where a lot of students who have taken fully online degree or hybrid programs where part are online and part are in person are rating their experiences equivalently to students who did all of their education in a traditional on the ground program. So. You know, we're not suggesting it's better, but but certainly there's there's growing evidence that it's on par with traditional education. Now, here comes a couple of challenges. That's good news in that we can scale education to more people. It's good news in that we ought to be able to make education less expensive. Uh, we might be able to make it more effective in the process, right? Um, especially if we're utilizing personalized education uh, tools as part of that software and AI. But it also challenges colleges and universities who are delivering traditional education to figure out how they can make their their students uh, robot proof, which is a book uh, by the president of Northeastern University, Joseph Aoun, uh, where he talks about the need to ensure that students are robot proof. Right. How do you train students to go out into a world where you're going to be constantly subjected to changing? Well, you know, he argues that we need to train them to be lifelong learners. We need to train them to be critical thinkers. And so that now becomes the added pressure on higher ed is that students who are getting a college degree, right, we need to make sure that's happening. And the evidence around that has actually been a little tricky. You know, there's publications that have shown that that students graduate uh, and, and haven't learned critical thinking skills. Uh, a big book called Academically Adrift made a big case uh, that half of college students leave college without improvements in their critical thinking skills. So we need to double down on our ability to do that and to prove that it's working as well. That's a very valid point. I, I like the word you use, robot proof, because 
uh, if we relate to the future of work, and, and the prediction is what's going to happen, it is that any repetitive task will be taken over by robots. And any shallow thinking or not shallow thinking, to certain level of thinking, it can be done by AI. Artificial intelligence will play. It will come into play and it will take over. So what is left for a human being? It is deep work and deep thinking. And, 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 and what you meant by, and you related very well there, critical thinking. And that's what we as human being would be required to do and how do you develop it and not only just once keep abreast and how do you keep up with technology that what is going to artificial intelligence route what more robots are taking care of so uh, the the deep thinking to do deep work and these uh, critical thinking has to be continuously improved by a human being to remain relevant in a society where artificial intelligence is going to play a major role in future work and combine that with what you mentioned in earlier segment is is very nicely aligning here lifelong learning needed new learning needed to be applied because there is an increase in life expectancy also you cannot suddenly put that this is what right. I know, this is my life, it ends here, now I'll have fun. No, it's, it's, it's not affordable. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. LinkedIn publishes an annual list of the top skills that are most in demand from employers. And at the very top of that list uh, were things like creativity and adaptability. Now, here's where I'm worried about both higher education and our K-12 educational system is that you know, there, there is, uh, there, you know, there, there is not a lot of focus, quite frankly, on things like creativity and, uh, adaptivity in the types of things that we're teaching students, right? Do they have autonomy over their learning, right? Are they engaged in projects where they're really pushed to come up with original ideas to create something? Certainly this is happening to some degree in schools. But is it happening enough? Right. You know, the idea of rote memorization, the idea of learning things that you could just simply ask Siri or Alexa about. Right. That, that really challenges us to think differently, you know, to be creative and adaptive in how we teach because creativity and, adapt and adaptivity are so valued in the marketplace. So, you know, I believe that we're going to unleash a real period of creativity in our thinking around education. And the recent disruptions with coronavirus over the last few weeks have, have actually started to put that on display with universities that have scrambled in a matter of days to put their education online. The faculty and students who are involved in this are starting to learn different ways of, of teaching and learning, right? And they're coming up with new examples that are going to apply both in the middle of this crisis in a pinch and things that will now revert back to education as we get back to a normalized period there's going to be innovations as a result of this. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, I think you summarized it very well, uh, Brendan. And I think we are getting into some exciting times. And uh, with the environment which is happening and which has been kind of uh, prototype tested with, with, with the COVID-19, that how education has gone over, online overnight, not only for select courses, almost for everything. So that's, that you can uh, call the stress test of the online education. And also, uh, it seems uh, pretty clear that uh, the higher education will be needed, but it may not be just uh, gratifying 
by just having a degree, but rather it will become a part of life as a continuous improvement or continuous learning process because the technologies are changing, environment is changing, the whole world is now globally connected, and uh, uh, with AI and robotics coming into play, human beings will be playing more role in creative thinking. And, and, and what I feel is, as you had earlier mentioned, the life expectancy is going up and people are still learning. That keeps your brain cells alive and active. You are creative still as you are aging, which is phenomenal. So I'll let you uh, have a few closing comments as we have come to almost the end of our session. Well, it's been a pleasure to, to talk with you, Mahesh. I appreciate the time. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the summary here is that we, we need to think about how we ensure education remains relevant, right? That relevance is based on its affordability, access to it. It's based on how well it's connected to the, the ability to apply what you're learning to either a job or a work-related situation or something that's important to you in your life. And so, you know, when you think about it, we just we really need to focus on the fundamentals here. Right. We really can't afford to waste time and energy in our learning. Yes. Uh, and and so, you know, look, it just uh, it's going to become more of, the, of the, the way that we operate that instead of, for example, only thinking about college as this fixed period of time in our lives, whether it's two years or four years or whatever it might be, you know, it's going to be something that is uh, is essentially riding shotgun without with us throughout life right it's going to be attached to our hip uh you know it's going to be interwoven in the work that we do and so you know we're going to be consuming it constantly and in very different ways than we have in the past but it's still going to be there it's going to be as important as ever and uh and the way that we think about it is just going to change right it might not be a degree but we're still going to be uh needing to pursue valuable education and uh and skills and training so in in general i'm very encouraged about the future but uh, we can't move fast enough to get there quite frankly yeah that's fantastic uh brendan it has been a great pleasure to have you on uh, this episode very enjoyable very insightful discussion and you have a wonderful day thank you you too mash take care You've been listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week.